Hi, sexy listeners. I'm Dr. Tammy, and this is another episode of The Trouble With Sex. I am super excited today. We have a really sexy guest, Pamela Madsen. You might have heard of her. She's a pioneer in sex advocacy, and she is really doing the best work I know around getting back into your body and helping women with pleasure. She's the founder and executive director or the first executive director of the American Fertility Association. And she is an advocate for women's health and integrated sexuality. She leverages her raw honesty and her wit to help strip the stigma from infertility, female desire, and body image. Pamela is a certified somatic sex educator. She has a master's degree in education, and she coaches hundreds of women in their own personal journey back into their bodies. She's the author of the book Shameless, which is how I discovered you, actually. And now her back-to-the-body work is really around sexological body work, and happy touch movement. And she breaks through some of the roadblocks to sizzling the sheets in long-term relationships. We are supported by Dame Products. Did you know that women are four times more likely than men to say sex is not pleasurable? Dame Products is on a mission to close that pleasure gap. They have toys for sex that promise to blow your mind. One of them is called Eva 2. It's a hands-free external vibrator that brings pleasure to new heights. It's this little, light, flexible vibrator that has these wings that hold it in place so your hands are free to roam wherever they want to go. So you can use it alone or in a couple. This vibrator is like no other. When I tell you that my husband saw it and went crazy for this, you got to see it to believe it. Go on dameproducts.com slash troublewithsex, type in code Dr. Tammy, D-R-T-A-M-M-Y, and get 15% off today. You're going to love this stuff. Pamela Madsen, I love the work that you do. It's sexy. It's live. It's all about pleasure. And I'm so jealous because right now you're in Hawaii. (laughs) I am. I am. Tell me more about what you're working on. Like, what is the back to the body retreat? What is the sensuous retreat for women? And what does that mean? So back to the body is an immersion program. So we actually ask women to pack their bags, get in, you know, in a car or an airplane. We're usually not right down the block from where a woman lives. And to make a commitment to herself that for usually eight days that she's going to drop in to her own body. And as we know, women are extraordinary givers. I mean, that's what we're trained to be, right? We're trained to give. And so what happens at retreat is we start training the women to listen to their desires, to learn how to receive without giving back. What we do at retreats is we help women find their voice. We help women connect their mind, their heart, their belly, and their vulva. We help women start to confront their shame, their body shame, their sexual shame. And how do we do that? We do that through working with professionals. Each woman is matched to a male sexological body worker and a safe port, a female sex educator. So they have a female 
we call them safe ports. They're personal Sherpa who guides them in and out of session. And then we have this wonderful thing called the nest. And that's where all the women gather after their sessions with the men, where they cry and laugh and cuddle. And sisterhood is like a really big part of this. I started doing this, Tammy, about a decade ago because I was a client and you read about that journey through my book, Shameless. And I saw what was right in the field of, oh, what do they love to call it? Sacred sexuality and tantra and, you know, the sex underground. I saw what was right, I saw what was wrong. And I come from this background of female advocacy and fertility. And I was like, you know what? We can do better than this. And this field of tantric touch was really created for men, not women. So there really wasn't a safe place for women to come to do embodied hands-on work. There were too many cowboys running around. And I run a very, quite frankly, a very boundary space. And what's beautiful, as you know, Tammy, about boundaries, it's like when, when you make, if, if everyone just takes their finger and draws a circle, I take a pencil and draw a circle on a piece of paper, that's the boundary. Now look inside the circle. There's all this space in the circle to create and to have experiences and to play and to be free and feel safe enough. Without boundaries, we can't feel safe enough, especially as women, to dive into our deepest, most vulnerable parts. And so I think the biggest thing about Back to the Body is the safe container. We like to say the safe enough container for women to go in and do this work. I mean, we just had a woman near 60 in Maui, and she had her first orgasm. Mm, good for you know, her. Women are, yeah, women come to these retreats and they have their firsts, you know, their first multiple orgasm, their first G-spot experience, their first experience being photographed, their first experience feeling good in their body. One of my other favorite stories also just happened in New Orleans and a midlife woman came in and she was, you know, I, I don't like talking about body size, but she felt that she had a large body size. and she was sitting waiting for her practitioner with me and the other women to, pick, to be picked up to go to her session. And she said, I should be doing this like 50 pounds lighter. I, I don't think I can do this. And I was like, just go. Just, you, you got this far. You're in New Orleans. Just go. So about two hours later, she melts back into the room. And she said, my body didn't care. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right, exactly. It's amazing how that body image thing gets in the way. Amazing. Yeah, she said, my body didn't care how old I was. My body didn't care what the mirror told me. My body just had the most beautiful, expansive pleasure experience of my life. Cool. And so, you know, it's like allowing women to embody, learn how to embody their sexuality from the inside out. And what so many women don't understand is that there's so many classically beautiful women through the male lens, right? What we aspire to, what we're told to aspire to. But there's nothing, Tammy, there's nothing like a woman who is connected to all her parts and is living life truly as an embodied, turned on woman. And that's the goal of my retreats. It's the goal of my work. This belongs to women in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s. My mother came at 92. I saw that. Great. And, and she had extraordinary pleasure at 92. Eros is ageless. 
That's so Eros true. is ageless. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you really help women to find their pleasure and as a result to be in their power, which is what I'm all about. And you do it in such an embodied way. It's not just an intellectual process. I mean, they're really experiencing it. They're breaking through their resistance around body image, around ageism, around the male gaze. Like they're really dropping into that power that is in receiving pleasure and also, you know, creating that space to have pleasure in their life. And it's intentional, right? Like you have to plan your own abduction. (laughs) Like, you know, you just have to, you have to like decide that you're going to put aside this time on the calendar. You have to decide that you're going to spend this money on yourself. You're going to have to decide that your body is just fine. Right now, you can receive pleasure. You can, you know, Tammy, I am closer to 60 than 50. Me too. And I have, I, and I have been at this since I'm 42. And I do these live demos for the women at the retreat so they can see what is possible. What I can tell you is that my body is like the ocean that's out there, as I said, I'm in Maui, that I can go to the same spot every day where I like to go into the water. And every day I'm surprised that the ocean has changed. <laughs> like, where's the sand? It was sandy yesterday. Now there are rocks. So the ocean is doing something. Even when I'm not there, the ocean is doing something. And my body is the same way that my body is as evolutionary as the ocean. And I can think that I can enter into my eroticism exactly the same way. But even as I do that, the response of my body is different. And I think letting women know that, that their body is evolutionary, that their body is going to change, and that each time they step into the ocean of their eroticism, there will be a surprise for them. (laughs) And it never gets old. Mm. It only gets old when we stop putting on a bathing suit and getting in the water. Mm. That's a great way to put it. So I wonder if you could tell people about that time when you were 42, maybe people who haven't read your book and don't know about your own sensual awakening. Maybe can you tell the story of what that turning point was like for you? So I got married at 20. And I was, you know, basically a virgin when I got married. When I say basically, my husband and I had sex before we got married. But like he was the one and I was very traditional and all the parts work. Traditional does not mean sexless. My husband and I did all the things. You know, I go licky, licky, sucky, sucky, fucky, fucky. <laughs> we knew all the things, okay? All those things happened. Mm-hmm. And all the positions happened. And I thought, well, this was a good man to marry. You know, I was, you know, I knew that sexual compatibility was very important. And so... We did that, and we were married for about 20 years, had two children, went through infertility, which is very difficult because yeah. you're dealing with body betrayal. And many women deal with body betrayal on lots of different things, breast cancer, whatever. Body betrayal happens. And I was still having orgasms, and my girlfriends were, they were having what they called back when Jesus was a baby, affairs. <laughs> and we don't them affairs anymore. Now we call it polyamory. <laughs> well, it's and, a little bit and, different. It's not an, it's not an affair if I, you I, have I, permission. I, I'm teasing. I'm just being silly. I know that. I'm just being funny. So when this was going on for me, polyamory wasn't a word. Mm-hmm. 
and open marriage really wasn't a word. Maybe they were swingers, but people did not have these big open talks about the different containers marriages could be held in or relationships. Back then, it was simple. It was called cheating. That's all it was, okay? And people weren't open about it. They hit. And all my girlfriends and my sister, God bless her soul, everybody was having affairs but me. And they were, they were really happy to me. I mean, these were happy, happy women. And they were keeping their marriages and they had this outside lover and they were alive and turned on and excited. And I was like, hmm, <laughs> you know, what am I missing? And I had a different approach where I felt like this didn't have to do with my marriage. And this didn't have to do with my marriage bed. After all, there was licky, licky, fucky, fucky, sucky, sucky. Like this had to do with something deeper inside me. And so I went looking for, you know, erotic services, erotic healing services for women that would help me learn more about my erotic soul. And that was quite the journey. And that's what's chronicled in Shameless. And it was always funny. It wasn't always satisfying or what I was looking for. And it informed me over time of what it was that I needed and wanted in my body. It helped connect me to my kink because I did find good people to work with. You had, So you had erotic experiences like happy ending massages and some kink practitioners that you worked with. And so you had different sexual experiences outside of your marriage. I'm not correcting you, but I just dislike the term happy ending massages because it's not about the quote unquote happy ending. It's about the erotic journey through touch that, that happens with the body, whether or not you climax or not. Totally. It's about having, why don't we call it an erotically informed massage? That sounds a, I had a little intellectual, erotic, but yes, it makes, I like the erotic journey massage. Okay, erotic journey. Yeah. We can name it lots of things. That's good. I had erotic journey massages where I got to feel my curves, my body, my pleasure. I was encouraged by the sexological body worker to share my fantasies. And that was terrifying. This is before Fifty Shades of Grey. <laughs> Nobody in their right mind said spanking, you know? And I like was like, yeah, spanking, terrified. And had then I had my first spanking, you know, with this practitioner. And so... Working with a sex educator professional allowed me to have a safe enough space to experience things in my life that then opened me up to more. So what did that banking experience awaken in you? It was like a de-shaming. Mm. It was like a de-shaming. It was like Christmas morning. <laughs> you know, as a child, it was about self-acceptance. It was a discovery because I really didn't know there's a huge difference, right, between fantasy and actuality. So did I really want this? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I felt humiliation the first, the, the beginning part, the first time we did that. Mm -hmm. you know, he actually took me over my, his knee and he lowered my pants and the vulnerability of that and allowing myself to be that vulnerable with another human being. What's interesting is I don't think I could have done it with my partner. Mm. I needed to do this with a professional. I needed to do this with somebody 
who didn't see me as wife, mother, who I didn't pay the bills with, who I needed to do this. We don't use the word therapist for sexological body workers. We use the word sex educators. Mm -hmm. So I needed a sex educator. I needed somebody who could hold me for as me, not in relationship, to allow me to fully express who I was. I think with my partner at that time, and for many people in a relationship, that doing this with a professional first helps open the doors. We have so many rules and roles with our partners that it's hard sometimes to express to them our fantasies and desires. Also, what if they don't like it? And then now they know forever that you like spanking. <laughs> so what if I told my husband, I like spanking, and he went, oh my God, that's awful and disgusting. And, you know, and he yucks my yum. And now he knows forever. And I know that he knows. And that's hard, yeah, right? You can't walk away so from that. To, no. So to be able to flesh this out with somebody who's not judging in a non-judgmental space, I think is so important for people on their erotic journeys. So what did you tell your, what did you tell your husband? Not much for six months. <laughs> Six months, you didn't tell him much? No. Mm -hmm. um, for six months, I hid. Mm -hmm. For six months, I went on yoga retreats, mm -hmm. which was really funny because, you know, I there's nothing yoga about me. <laughs> but I would pack up my yoga mat. And then I think at the six-month point when I was really starting to get confident, much more embodied, people were asking me, what was I doing? Because I looked so great. I told Kai. And at that point, my exploration was kind of going deeply into BDSM, what I like to call power, surrender, and intimacy. And I explained that to him and I talked to him about my practitioner and I asked him if he would like to meet him. And my husband said yes. And so we went as a couple and my practitioner showed him what he did with me and showed him like I was very vulnerable. I mean, you know, I, my husband's really a love warrior and was very open. And my husband watched me receive, again, what I call an erotically informed massage and saw me getting little spankings on the table. And then we invited my husband on the table. Wow. And my husband had a session. Brave. With me and my practitioner. I put my hands on my husband's body. And then he said, okay, I get it now. I understand. I feel safe enough. This isn't for me. You keep going. Nice. Yeah. So, and so he had empathy about it. Us. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he enjoyed it, and, but it wasn't his thing, mm -hmm. nor was dominating me his thing, nor I don't think it would have worked in our marriage, which was pretty set in a equal terms power kind of would shift and go back and forth. Mm -hmm. And it was sort of hard for me to take my husband seriously when he would go, you're going to get a spanky. And I was like, yeah, you and what army? You know, I, I wasn't like. <laughs> it was not your roles. <laughs> it was not our roles. It was not our container. I wasn't yeah. into it, yeah. you know. And so that was already like a long time ago. And I left being the executive director of the American Fertility Association to do this full on because I really felt that so much was available for men. Like, I don't care. It's like the orgasm gap, right? Mm -hmm. You're a straight man, a bisexual man, a gay man. 
the world is your oyster erotically. There's a lot out there for men. So much. I mean, if you want, you know, Genghis Khan's twin daughters (laughs) to come to your house and give you an erotic session and then serve you soup dumplings, you can get that. (laughs) Somebody's writing, where? Wait. (laughs) Wait, wait, where can I get that? If, If you're a woman, it's much harder. When I was doing this, it was really almost as dry as a desert out there. Mm-hmm. And um, there is far more water in the field right now than there ever was for women. Still not, and that, I'm, still not that wet. It's still not that wet. And, oh, I just feel like making a bad joke. <laughs> I, um, I am committed to women and all their wetness. Mm-hmm. And I, at Back to the Body um, is unique in what it's providing for women. And I think it, because I was a client for 10 years, Tammy, that I know what women are seeking, what they want, where the pitfalls are, where women can get stuck. I don't like the idea of women working alone with practitioners. I don't. I like the triadic model. I've seen too many women get a dark hook placed in their hearts Mm. by practitioners who use the deep intimacy and vulnerability of women to keep them in their practice because it's hard to get clients, easy to retain them. Mm. And I like women to come in, have their experiences, and then leave. Mm. And not have romantic hooks placed in their heart, that being special thing. Mm -hmm. No, we don't do that. Every woman gets the same slice of cake. Mm. There's no competition. There's no comparison. We really try to make it. And that's what heals the relationships with women at my retreats with each other. Is that they're not doing mate competition, which is what women sometimes do. A lot of times do. Yeah. When that's removed from their, everyone knows they're getting their 90-minute session. Mm-hmm. And they, it, the mommy competition for me, I'm often like projected on as mommy. They all get me. Mm-hmm. They all get the big sister. Everyone's getting fed. So if you can remove comparison and competition, which is something that that is ingrained in women, then you can really allow women to heal their stuff. So Pamela, I, want, I really want to ask you more about this and about you know how to decrease that competitive thing that women have, and also, you know, what I really like about your work and what you do is to teach women how to ask more often and in a deeper way for what they really want. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Sexual wellness and exploration are key to staying healthy, experiencing pleasure, and building strong relationships. For thoughtful and timely articles, tips, and insights, I highly recommend signing up for the Swell blog. Dame believes knowledge and pleasure combined create power, and so do I. Swell is a go-to resource for the latest in adult sex ed. Sign up now at swell.damewellness.co. That's swell, S-W-E-L-L, dot dame, D-A-M-E, wellness, dot C-O. How do you turn women on in their own voice, like to teach them about sexual communication? You and I have that in common that we think that that is key to getting our needs met. Well, you know, it's it's kind of a two-pronged question. So there's the experience that women will have in a retreat set, setting being held by professionals, right? 
because women don't know what they don't know. You can't ask for what you don't know. So true. Right. So in the retreat setting, they are offered different experiences. They are introduced to different types of touch and different kinds of role play and different kinds of sensation and toys and all those things. And so then they get to go, oh, yes, no, maybe, try again. And I always say to women, try three bites. Mm. So you know, is that I'm, three I'm types kind of, of things or is that a well, little no, bit? No, no, no. So let's say there's a new sensation uh-huh. that's being introduced to your body. So the first time you experience a sensation, it might be a home run or it might be like, yeah, I don't know. Not sure, you know? And so what I always say to that is, great, do it again, and then do it again. Because we have these deeply built-in neural pathways. And if we're only used to being, our clitoris being touched in a circle, you know, this way, and we're only used to a certain kind of penetrative action, our bodies need time to develop a new palate. Mm -hmm. A new sexual palate. So we ask women, Try it three times. See what you feel. And then if it's not for you, put it on the shelf. And then maybe on your fourth session, maybe call it out one more time just to make sure. Because it can be shocking that all of a sudden what did not feel great now is like, oh, your eyes are rolling back in your head. Mm. So to help women voice what they want, they need to be shown what is the menu. They need to be supported in tasting the menu. And then no one should ever ask them why. Meaning? Let's say a woman says to a practitioner, I would like to try bondage. I see you have ropes on the table. I would like to try that. It's not the role of the practitioner to ask her, oh, well, why? Why do you want that? What does that bring up for you? Is there some sort of memory that you want? Like, shut up. Ah, the woman just asked for ropes. Bring them. You know how hard it was for her to ask for ropes? She doesn't have to justify her desires. That's a good message for all partners out there. That's a great, she never has to, if she is saying it, it's a big fucking deal that she's getting it out of her body and just welcome that. You Mm -hmm. want that baby? Just do it. Let's figure that out. Yeah. do it. Why is a dirty word? So there's that piece of it. If you are home, so you mentioned Dame products, right? So you're home, you're not at a retreat. So buy five new things that you have never tried before. Not one, buy five. Mm, that's a great idea. Make, make yourself a buffet. <laughs> a variety. Uh, yes. You know, I am so sick of hearing about self-love and <laughs> self-care and take a bubble bath and get a manicure and all this shit that women are, which are all subduing, by the way. Mm, good point. All that stuff is about being passive, being passive and subduing female desire, right? I'm going to gentle you down and make you sleepy. Yeah, I'm going to calm you down, right? calm your energy. Yeah. Yeah, go, you know, honey, go, go get a man. Go be quiet. <laughs> like, go Calgon. <laughs> Does anyone know Calgon baths anymore? Take me away. 
So what I would love to see for that woman instead in finding her voice and finding her desires and in her self-care is that she orders herself five new sex toys, a couple new lubes. She tells her family, if she has one, that the door is closed. And she allows herself to experiment. And maybe she has all five toys out or just one a day. And she really allows herself to experiment with those toys. Again, you got to give it three or four tries, ladies. You can't just, you know, try some sort of licky wheel once and decide it's not for you. <laughs> you know, maybe you need some different kind of lube on the licky wheel. Um, you know, to experiment, maybe it's going into the kitchen and finding forks and rub it. You know, forks are great scratchy, scratchy sensation toys. And um, little wooden spoons and playing sensation on your body. It doesn't always have to be store-bought, what we can find to play with at our homes. Taking a look at your vulva, giving yourself an anatomy tour. You know, so these are things, and they, they do require courage. They do require a willingness to have more. They do require finding your voice, sometimes finding your credit card, <laughs> sometimes finding room on your calendar and putting yourself first. What I hear you talking about is really giving yourself permission to have this pleasure and, you know, whatever that takes, whether it's the time, the space, the tools, the, <laughs> the credit card, whatever it is to really allow it. Yes, I... I love this scene from the Joy Luck Club, and I don't know if anyone's seen the movie, but it's right near the end, and our heroine is about to go through a divorce, and she's talking to her mother about all the things she's going to give to her husband in the settlement, and her mother reminds her of a family dinner, and she has this cousin who's like very full, like dresses beautifully and very alive, and you know, one might say full of herself but others might say embodied and alive and a self-seeker. And her mother reminds her of her cousin and said, you know, then when we pass the crab around the table, your cousin gave herself the best piece of crab and you took the worst piece of crab. And it, so I think we as women need to learn from that and learn to give ourselves the best piece of crab. We don't do that. We give it away to everybody else. So, you know, what I want to say to people who are listening out there, when do you give yourself the best piece of crap? When do you actually allow yourself to have the best of whatever it is that you offer the world for you? I think it's more than a manicure. And that allowing, that willingness to take is a learned, brand new, skill set for women that they're going to have to practice. I have to tell you, Tammy, nobody gave me permission to stay in Maui for six weeks. I was just thinking that, like, you've created a life for yourself of such intention. Like, you've put out these intentions that I'm going to have these retreats in these beautiful, beautiful places all over the world. And just because you've said, I'm going to do it, and you've done it. And because you've envisioned it, you've given yourself permission to do it, and you've made it happen. And now look at you in this beautiful place. People, thank you. And people overthink it. 
So first of all, when I say I didn't ask for permission, I didn't ask for permission. It doesn't mean that I don't call my husband twice a day and my mother twice a day and that I'm not responsible to the world outside of myself because of course I am, you know, and I made a choice for myself that if I was going to be in social isolation, that if I was going to be in a one bedroom apartment in Riverdale with my husband, that is very small, or I could be here in swimming in the ocean with the whales and the turtles every day. Um, I, I chose the best piece of crap. Mm-hmm. That's a good and that piece. Wasn't gonna, that, that wasn't going to change anyone else's reality, really. Mm-hmm. Noticing where we can give to ourselves. I think that the big lesson for women is to actually be as good to themselves as they are to the world around them. And so... Even for women who don't have privilege or money, the idea of, you know, being good to yourself, putting yourself first, you know, taking the biggest piece, honoring your own pleasure, there's ways to do that in in smaller and bigger ways. And I think that's important, too, to say. Absolutely. That's why I talked about, you know, going into the kitchen and seeing what's there to play with, yeah. or, you know, ordering some toys and bringing them into your house. There are also different kinds of opportunities to work at home. I had mentioned to you, Tammy, we're just putting our finishing touches on our first course that women are going to be able to buy for under $100. And it's going to be online. They can can do it at home. It's going to be on. They can do it at home. It's 16 videos. Mm -hmm. There are Lots of opportunity out there for women to begin to find their own exploration. What is non-negotiable? There's one piece that's non-negotiable, and that's creating the space. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't care what your money situation is. You've got to find an hour for yourself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You've got to find some time on the calendar. You've got to... Oh, I don't know, Tammy. You know, we, you, you said that I have an idea and I do them. Well, that is actually true about me. Mm-hmm. I have never made a business plan in my entire life and I am successful. I think like business plans and, you know, even we talk about pleasure plans. Yes, great. Great to have a plan, but you got to do it. You got to make stuff you happen. Actually, you just got to do it. And sometimes it just means jumping off a cliff whether that's closing the door and telling your kids to go away for an hour, whether it's not picking up the phone, whether it's putting down the social media. Whether it's not joining that extra Zoom hangout that your friends want you to be on because you're so tired of Zoom. Whatever it is, taking space for yourself. Totally agree. Right. And that's just, a, you know, again, another way of taking the best piece of crap. And women need to practice it. It's a muscle. So before we end, I want to take one question from a caller. It's Mindy from Arizona. And she says, how do I get my husband to act out my fantasy if I'm too shy to tell him the whole story? Can you help? One of the exercises that we do with a practitioner, which she could do with her husband, and it is vulnerable. She can write four of her fantasies down on a piece of paper and she could show it to him. And then he could choose one that he feels comfortable with. And they can co-create the fantasy together. And that's one way. Another way is either online or in a store. Go with your partner and have 
separate and you each pick a whole bunch of toys. Then you come together, you look at each other's baskets and you see what's there. That's a nonverbal way of communicating to your partner. If you want to be tied up, well, there's rope there or a blindfold, or maybe he wants to be pegged. So there's bend over boyfriend is in his basket. (laughs) So there could be things that, you know, we don't, we are unable to say to our partners that we can show our partners. Sometimes nonverbal is easier. Right now, over the summer, I am holding private immersion retreats with a male partner, Court Vox, and a few others, where couples can come in for a full day immersion and work on that stuff together. Mm, sounds fun. And and what they and yes, they are, and it's limited. It's you know a week on the West Coast and a week in New York, and the people are interested in that. They can go to our website and send me an email. I'm not even sure if I'm putting it on my website. So contacting one of our team members, phone numbers for that. So there is also getting the help of a professional to guide the couple in communicating these fantasies and desires. And the good news is, Mindy, is you want it. Once you've decided that you want it, I bet that you can create the opportunity. Mm -hmm. I think that's such good advice. And I think we're going to use that as our tip for our listeners too. I love the idea of writing down four of your fantasies and sharing them with your partner so that they can help you co-create at least one of them. They can pick which one they like. And I also like the idea, which is a great tip for our listeners, of going to a sex toy store and putting stuff in your basket and then sharing that with your partner so that you don't even have to say it out loud. They can just look and say, oh, this is what you're curious about. And you don't even have to take it into action. You can just see what the other person is kind of like interested in. And Maybe you don't buy everything, but you just look at what's, you know, what's sparked that interest and that fantasy for your partner. And I think that's a great suggestion. That's a great suggestion. So, Pamela, before we end, is there anything else that you want to let our listeners know about? Uh, Where can they find out more about you and about your retreats? Backtothebody.org. We are constantly evolving. So retreats are happening. We're even creating these brand new intentional cards around desire for women to pull intentions for the day around sexuality. Again, around the mind. Our whole theme is mind, heart, belly, vulva. Kind of like a cooking show. You know, you have to have those four ingredients to really begin to move our sexuality. And the last thing is we've just launched a mentorship program where women can work with me and one of my female sexologists and one of my male practitioners. And those are every three months. And we're giving access for the first time to some of the embodiment that we teach at retreat at home. And do you train the uh, body workers too that you work with? Absolutely. 95% of our women come back for more. So they get a chance to work with different practitioners and see who What does that practitioner bring forth in them? Because different energy brings forth different energy. And isn't it beautiful to be able to find out that you have all these different parts, you just needed a different kind of an invitation? I love it. I think we'll end right with that because that is a beautiful thing to think about. Thank you so much, Pamela. And I really appreciate you being here. And for all of our sexy listeners out there, stay well, stay calm. 
This episode was brought to you by Dame Products. To find out more, go to thetroublewithsex.com or email me at drtammy at thetroublewithsex.com. Join our mailing list, follow us on social media, sign up for our newsletter, or send me a question. The Trouble with Sex is produced by Brandy Savitt and Jane Applegate. Our audio is by Flavor Lab New York City. This episode was recorded on location by Bruce Hirschfield and mixed by Eric Stern with music by Bruce Hirschfield. Bye.